Everything was bound to change, I realized, when I started to imagine, and couldn't stop imagining, that the virulent outbreak of flu was spreading far and wide. My imagination had hit the mark in one sense at least. The winter had lasted longer than usual, and the early morning temperature was still stuck at 20 below, even in the first days of March. Anybody who hadn't already succumbed to bronchitis and a cough was scheduled to do so. But the problem wasn't just the physical misery that spared nobody. People had gotten so bad-tempered that they made the lead-gray sky look even grayer with faces that reflected the grayness. You couldn't have found a smile on any passing face, not even by mistake. As kids came out of school, they moved among the silent passengers of the U-Bahn with the sinister docility of grim, miniature adults. Oh, Germany, who could love you in that condition? In similar years, though no winter had been quite so prolonged and so severe, I had floated through the surrounding gloom, buoyed up by the memory of my native sun. Recalling its heat filled me with an angry vigor. I was the one who walked faster on the streets. I was the one who spoke louder when I bought bread. But now, my last reserves of energy had been drained away by my sickly fantasy. The whole world was coming down with flu. The flu of my imagination was not scary and overpowering. It was the flu, nevertheless. Headache, body aches, tiredness, sneezing, a non-stop dripping of the nose, shivers, phlegm, and an intermittent cough, a sly cough that made everybody sound alike, regardless of sex or physical build. This flu was, like all its other manifestations, contagious and frankly incurable. Cold medicines and antihistamine tablets couldn't make a dent in it. The only help was aspirin. And even that didn't do much. And soon we ran out of it. The pharmacies began closing down, and there was a shortage of the more important drugs. The flu was inoffensive only in appearance. Nobody who caught it could carry on working after two or three weeks. They couldn't concentrate or even think. They couldn't carry loads or make the least physical effort, not even a basic movement. Their routine collapsed, however light it might be. Everybody was falling victim inexorably to what you might call the appearance of laziness. This is what I was imagining in my effort to fight off the lousy German winter that humanity was coming to an end without any grandiose trumpeting announcements, with no fuss at all, really, just gliding down into something close to an uncontrollable melancholy. Little by little, the end was drawing near, like a fading light, like a slowly dying fire, till nobody would be left and the words, THE END, could be read upon the surface of the earth. While I worked on the final touches of my fantasy, I was debating between mass suicides or having people curl up and die as they tried to cough up the phlegm that was suffocating them. It suddenly struck me that my life was going to change. That winter, I hadn't drugged myself with consoling dreams of the sun because, 
elementary, my dear Watson. I would soon be experiencing its warming rays in person, upon my own flesh. My long stay in Europe had drawn to a close. Thirty years, Delmira. Thirty years had come and gone for you.